everyone. Welcome to episode 77 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So I think it would be remiss of me not to just quickly acknowledge at least what has been happening, uh, particularly in the United States, but also here in Australia as well. Um, you know, the uh, oppression and the, I guess, lack of equality for black people in uh, both our societies really um, is a real stain on our you know, supposed democracies. And I guess I just want to acknowledge that black lives matter and that I hope that real change uh, can occur and that it happens a lot sooner than later. All right, uh, getting back to our usual scheduled content. Uh, this week, uh, Joe and I have got a discussion about uh, this recent Octopus malware that uh, was announced uh, by GitHub where they had seen it infect some of their repos and targeting uh, NetBeans projects in particular. A bit of a blast from the past, but uh, yeah, we'll get to that a bit later. But first up, we're going to do our usual roundup of vulnerabilities and fixes from the last week. First up, we have an update for Unbound. Uh, two CVEs that were fixed in this update, and these are for uh, Ubuntu releases 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support and the interim release Ubuntu 19.10. Uh, in particular, this is a fix for the NXNS attack that was announced. I talked about this back in episode 75 in relation to Bind, the DNS server. Um, this is essentially a form of a DNS reflection attack where you get the DNS server itself to basically amplify uh, you know, the traffic on your behalf and then kind of send that back to a, a, you know, a victim host. Uh, and so this is also found, uh, Unbound was also found to be vulnerable to this as well. Plus, we also fixed a case where there was an infinite loop that could be triggered uh, when processing malformed answers from uh, upstream servers. So this is the kind of thing that could cause a denial of service uh, through CPU time on the server. We then updated PHP. This was for all of our supported releases all the way back to uh, 1204 extended security maintenance. So that is both uh, 1204 and 1404 extended security maintenance, 1604, 1804, and uh, 1204, and uh, Ubuntu 19.10. Uh, in this case, uh, this is for a single CVE, uh, which you could cause a denial of service by uploading files uh, with very long names. So essentially what uh, PHP would do in the background there is it would write that file out to disk in temporary storage. Uh, we then go to allocate memory you know, to hold the name of the file. And if that was so long that it couldn't actually do that, uh, you know, it would fail to allocate the memory. That would then you know, stop that process, but it would fail to clean up uh, the temporary file that it created on disk. And so if you do this enough times, you'll eventually fill up all the disk space. So that was fixed for PHP. We then had an update for OpenSSL. Uh, four different vulnerabilities were fixed uh, for this OpenSSL update for Ubuntu 16.04 and 18.04 long-term support and Ubuntu 19.10. Uh, there was a timing side channel attack against uh, ECDSA signatures. Uh, this could allow you to possibly recover private keys. Uh, there was also the case where um, there was uh, it was vulnerable to a padding oracle attack um, for particular encryption algorithms, and so you could therefore uh, potentially decrypt traffic as an attacker. This also fixed the case where uh, the state of the random number generator was shared between parent and child processes across a fork. So in Unix, to create you know, a subprocess, you fork and then exec something else traditionally, or maybe you fork and then you just run you know, some other code that you've got. In this case, um, yeah, the random number generator state would be shared uh, contrary to you know what was documented, and so that was also you know deemed a vulnerability that was fixed too for OpenSSL. JSON-C is one that I have talked about, uh, I guess, the last few weeks in a row, uh, particularly because the update for that didn't go so smoothly. Smoothly. So back in episode seventy-five, uh, we you know, we updated uh, JSON-C uh, that had unfortunately had a regression uh, that caused particularly failures for uh, the upstart init daemon back on Ubuntu 16.04 uh, long-term support instances, if you had gone and uh, configured that. 
We then backed out that fix and so, uh, you know, to, to not cause that regression, but then we've now updated it properly. So upstream we've got a, you know, a fix that actually doesn't cause a regression. And we've now integrated that for JSON-C in Ubuntu 12.04 and 14.04 extended security maintenance, plus Ubuntu 16.04, 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support, plus Ubuntu 19.10. Here we uh, also had an update for apt for our extended security maintenance customers. So again, back in episode 75, I talked about a fix for apt in uh, our regular releases and we've now released that for uh, extended security maintenance. Unfortunately, uh, we had some kernel updates this week that were due to a regression. So uh, again, back in episode 75, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I talked about some kernel updates. And in particular, uh, the I guess the more later kernels, the 5.3 and the 5.4 kernels, which are used on Ubuntu 20.04 long-term support and Ubuntu uh, 19.10, which is then used as the hardware enablement kernel for Ubuntu 18.04 long-term support, they had a regression in uh, handling of the OverlayFS file system. And uh, what this would do is actually cause Docker instances to fail to run properly. Uh, so the kernel team quickly backed out a couple of patches that... Uh, actually weren't directly related to OverlayFS, they're actually part of ShiftFS, uh, that then kind of, um, by those being introduced, it kind of, uh, it exposed this bug that was already in OverlayFS. So it wasn't that ShiftFS was causing the bug, but that it was already there in OverlayFS, but this change you know, via ShiftFS was causing it then to be manifested. So uh, that change has been backed out, and then in the future, you know, a proper fix uh, in OverlayFS itself will be uh, developed and integrated. So expect that uh, in some coming weeks update. We then had an update for the CA certificates package. So this is for all, uh, again, all Ubuntu releases. So uh, 12.04 and 14.04 extended security maintenance, 16.04, 18.04, 20.04 long-term support, and Ubuntu 19.10. Uh, this is something that you probably have heard about in the media, uh, but in particular, there was a um, a root a, a, a trusted root certificate authority certificate, the AdTrust external root CA uh, that had expired. Now, um, an expiring certificate on its own isn't necessarily you know the end of the world. However, um, different pieces of software weren't um, able to handle that very well. And the reason that is is because if you have, um, you know, if you've got a certificate and it is signed, um, usually they're signed by multiple um, intermediate uh, CAs, and those are maybe signed themselves, or you know, maybe you're signed by an intermediate CA, but then that intermediate CA is signed by a number of different root CAs, and so when your certificate goes to be validated, that could chain back to one of these ones that has expired, uh, but. You know, hopefully your, your SSL software is smart enough to then go and find another chain of certificates that chains to you know correctly and that's valid and go oh, no, that's, that's still fine. In this case, unfortunately, um, curl and other pieces of software aren't, you know aren't smart enough to do that, uh, particularly older versions. And so the easier fix here was just to remove that expired certificate uh, from the CA certificates uh, database. So that has been done for all those releases. Part of that we've also done is we've updated uh, the certificates as well that are shipped for Ubuntu 16.04 and 18.04 long-term support too. So they are, you know, the more recent version of trusted certs um, that are in, found in Ubuntu 20.04 and 19.10. So yeah, that has been fixed for CA certificates. We then had an update for Flask. Uh, there was a denial of service via uh, memory exhaustion on craft and inputs that we fixed there for um, 14.04 extended security maintenance, 16.04 and 18.04 long-term support. Uh, we had a big update for free RDP, 19 different CVEs that were fixed for free RDP in 18, Ubuntu 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support and Ubuntu 19.10. 
Uh, this was a real mix of things, but uh, you're being, a, again, a code base written in C. A lot of these are memory um, corruption issues, so things like out-of-bounds rights uh, due to you know, invalid operations in crypto, uh, RSA crypto handling. Uh, there was an out-of-bounds read on font handling. Uh, there was the possibility of information disclosure um, to, through being able to read client memory as uh, color information, uh, and a whole, a whole raft of things really there that were fixed for free RDP. Uh, we also had an update for Apache Ant. Uh, I guess what is most uh, interesting about this is it was discovered by one of our own Ubuntu security team members, Mike Salvatore. Uh, he found that uh, Apache Ant would use uh, your tempter to store you know, different things while it was uh, essentially building, you know, say, a project. Uh, as a result, because that is world readable and writable, someone else could come along and either you know read what it was doing you know, out of those files that it created, or they could go and change what was there, and then it would go and execute that. So you could potentially get code execution as another user on the machine if they were using uh, Ant. So that was fixed to use a, a more private temporary directory, and that was for uh, Ant in Ubuntu 19.10. And finally, we had an update for Django. So uh, two CDs that were fixed for Ubuntu 16.04 and 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support and Ubuntu 19.10. Uh, the first of these was a cross-site scripting uh, issue that could be exposed due to failure to properly validate uh, the encoded query parameters in the admin foreign key raw ID widget. <laughs> uh, then there was also a failure to properly validate uh, memcached cache keys so that could allow a remote attacker to cause a denial of service or information leak or that kind of thing. And that is it for security updates for this week. Uh, as I said at the start, uh, Joe and I then had a chat about uh, this recent report out of GitHub about uh, some malware targeting NetMeans projects. Hey Joe, how's things this week? Things are pretty good, Alex. You know, it's sun's still shining. Got a bunch of books to read. Still quarantined. So yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. It's getting a bit colder over here. Um, school's back though with the kids, so things are a little bit more back to normal. Um, but yeah, you know, doing all right. Very cool. Um, I have to ask you because it's been a while since the last week we had a, we had Vinita on as a guest. Um, yeah, have I really you made any that, progress? Actually. Uh, Benita, yeah, it was very good. Yeah, well, Benita is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, have you made progress in Reamd? Uh, yeah, not Reamd. I'm sorry, the yeah. fall of Dodge. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> okay. Well, you'll have to let me know because I'm yeah. very interested in finding out uh, if it's yeah, worth no, my time. I, I've been yeah. I think I said last time. I've been watching a lot of uh, streaming stuff. So, um, no, I haven't really read anything for a while. I'll, I'll have to get back into it. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. okay. I'll go with that for now. We can, yep. we'll check back next week. <laughs> I want at least 10 pages yet. read. <laughs> well, um, this week we're going to talk about a really interesting piece of malware called the octopus malware, which you may have read about. It was, um, just written up by the GitHub security team, um, and you can read about it on ThreatPost or GitHub has posted a, an article on it as well. But it's really neat malware that uses um, NetBeans as its attack vector and replicates itself through that. So you, if I understand it correctly, you, um, you, know, you clone a repo and when you um, 
say, either you know, compile it or import it into your IDE, which I think would probably do a compile at that time, um, you know, to turn it into a jar, it would, mm -hmm. um, it, would, uh, it would then get executed and replicate itself into your other checked out repos, and that's how it spreads. And they said they found 25 repos with it um, in it. Um, but let's step back a second. And if you're not familiar with NetBeans, there might be a reason. Um, it might be showing your age. Um, NetBeans was started in 95 by Sun Microsystems, and it was really popular in like the heyday of Java. Um, and everybody was using it. And then I think it started to lose popularity. Um, in I think in 2016, Oracle abandoned it and gave it to Apache to run. So now it's an Apache product, um, NetBeans. Um, and I think you found out some interesting information from the Stack Overflow survey, Alex? Yeah, I was looking at the Stack Overflow developer survey from last year, and it's, it said it still had 5.9% of respondents were using NetBeans. And that was more than Emacs, which disappointed me, you know, as an Emacs user. But um, what I, <laughs> I guess what I find interesting about this, right, is... We, we yeah, still let you um, be a member of the team using Emacs when everybody knows you should be using VI. That is a joke for our listeners. I do not care if you use Nano, Pico, VI, or Gedit. It doesn't matter. Use everyone. I don't know. Gedit, mate. Anyway. Um, <laughs> you can't use but, uh, I digress. Um, but yeah, what I find really interesting about this is that it is, uh, it, it's targeting you know, software supply chain, right? As mm -hmm. where, what it's trying, you know, it's trying to get into, you know, to spread through, you know, to, to infect other repos, right, via way of NetBeans. You know, it's not like it's trying to, well, I mean, it probably, end, maybe it ended up directly in the NetBeans repo, I don't know. Mm. But it's it's kind of leveraging the IDE's, um, mm. you know, ability to execute stuff, you know, to kind of access, you know, mm. your full host file system, all of that, right, to be able to spread. And I find that kind of really cool because, um, yeah, in the Snap space in Ubuntu, uh, you know, we have this concept of strict confinement. So, you know, by default, you know, most snaps are strictly confined, which means that they have a very limited view of, say, your file system. They can't just go and access, um, or in general, they can't necessarily go and access other things. Most snaps do plug the home interface, so they can probably access things like your checked out, you know, other projects and things. But mm -hmm. uh, the idea really is they're meant to be separate. But the, we have this common category for classically confined snaps, which is IDEs, because your IDEs want to be able to do things like, you know, look at all the libraries on your you know, host machine and header files and, you know, be able to execute anything they want, right? So um, IDEs kind of have this um, more privileged position, you know, in, in, your, in your operating system, right, of having to kind of be more trusted than other sort of software that you run and they can't more easily be confined. Um, so they're a great attack vector for for this kind of thing, and I, I guess I'm surprised we haven't seen more of these because, um, you know, that's what that's what IDEs are designed to do. They're designed to execute, you know, random scripts, you know, to build things and you know upload things, and you know that's that's exactly what they do. Run tests. You know, the whole idea is they just do whatever they're told from some general you know text file usually that configures them. And the idea that that can then just be checked out from a, a repo and therefore infect things. Um, I'm surprised we actually really haven't seen this before. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So interesting you say you haven't seen this before because I'm curious. Well, this did a few things. When it, when it executed, um, it also downloaded a rat, you know, um, a remote access Trojan. So it downloaded a rat and then that did command and control while, you, while it was installed. That then, you know, propagated itself on the host system, made, made sure it was running even when you closed your IDE. Um, yep. But 
the timing of this is interesting because it's NetBeans. So I wonder if this was a targeted or possibly nation state attack from when this was a much more popular um, uh, IDE. So when people yep. were still using um, NetBeans and when it was more popular. So if you think about um, uh, Stuxnet, right? Um, we saw signs of Stuxnet running. At, you know, remember it was supposed to be an air gap network that they infected, which was the what, what the whole idea of dropping USB yep. drives in the in the parking lot. But they saw it running on on like uh, uh, oil refineries in different countries because you know, like a virus malware gets yep. out, right? So um, they 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 saw it in other places. So I wonder if this is something that was just old and an old. Code, code set that's found a, either you know found a new life because somebody took their code base from when they were working for a government agency or sorry took their development environment mm-hmm. from when they were working for a government agency to their private job or to their open source yeah. project or something yeah. it's and very it's ended um, up eventually on github and, <laughs> yeah. and spreading but perhaps that wasn't the initial target yeah that's that is really interesting um because you're right when something that is used by a relatively small percentage of uh developers you would think that um you know, in this case, because it uh, you know has the full command and control capabilities, it's there to then you know be able to leverage. I'm guessing for other things, right, on that developer's machine. Why not target VS Code or um, Vim or you know IntelliJ or one yeah. of the other ones that has a lot more high usage nowadays than uh, than NetBeans? Yeah. So yeah, or or was it actually targeted against a particular project or particular developers that you know who were known to still use NetBeans? I don't know. Yeah. 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 Exactly. We're not seeing a lot of viruses targeting, um, like, I don't know, HPUX anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, except for uh, the case of you know, your nation state stuff, right? Where it's, yeah. it is very targeted. They know exactly the systems that they're going into and they spent a lot of time developing yeah, custom malware and implants to be able to, <laughs> to, be able to attack these things. Well, yeah. I mean, and since we're talking about it, I just find the... If you haven't watched or read up on Stuxnet, it's an amazing, yep. amazing bit of targeted of targeted attack. Like they, they targeted everything. They found out what Siemens uh, programmable programmable logic controller, the PLC, was running. Wrote malware for that. Also wrote it for the um, like the GUI that ran on the um, operator system, so they could hide the fluctuations in speed that made them keep breaking. So that's a very targeted attack that was done, and that's. Yep. Um, the only people who could realistically do that would be nation state. So um, if this was happening, on, I mean, I, I don't know if this was a NetBeans attack, but it just seems like if it's not worth a lot of money with a high high target rate, then you're going to kind of fall back to, to nation state. Yep. Yeah, people want to know more about Stuxnet. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but Kim Zetter's book, Countdown to Zero Day, is fantastic. She's done a you know, brilliant job of writing that up. I could see probably a couple of years old now, but anyway. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Check that out. Um, well, everybody, thank you for listening. Um, if you're uh, if you're running NetBeans, make sure to check your repos um, yep. for how this thing for Net uh, for this new uh, new piece of Octopus malware. And um, have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. I'll speak to you then. And thanks again, Joe. Uh, Looking forward to chat to you next week. All right, so that takes us to the end of this week's episode. As usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can reach us at security@ubuntu.com. You can also find us hanging out in the Ubuntu Harden channel on irc.freenode.net. 
We also have the security section on discourse.ubuntu.com if you are there uh, you know, involved in the Ubuntu community for other things as well. I urge you to check that out. And finally, we are on Twitter at Ubuntu underscore sec. So thanks again, everyone, for listening again for this week. Uh, I'll be back again next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got you back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.